Goldman Sachs says India will overtake the U.S. to become the world's second largest economy. But how long will that take? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. India is on pace to become the world's second largest economy by 2075, according to Goldman Sachs. The investment bank wrote in a recent report that a growing population, the country's progress in innovation and technology, higher capital investment and rising worker productivity are driving contributors to the positive forecast. Currently, India is the world's fifth largest economy behind Germany, Japan, China and the U.S., for more, we're joined by Mitch Rochelle, Managing Director with Madison Ventures and a Visiting Research Fellow at the University of San Diego School of Business. Thanks so much for joining me. What are your top-line thoughts about this report? Well, you know what I just wrote down as you were saying it? 2075. <laughs> like Whenever there's yeah, a forecast it. that goes out to 2075, right now, they're not the second largest uh, economy in the world. In fact, China's economy is five times larger than India's economy. But what's really fascinating, I think, what's behind Goldman Sachs's report is the population of China and the population of India are both roughly the same. They're 1.4 billion people. Uh, you know, all the numbers after the four are close enough uh, as a rounding error. So when you have two populations that are that big, and if you look at the explosive growth of China over the last 20 years, who would have ever thought that China, which was an emerging nation, would become the number two economy in the world? So it's logical to think that the next wave of explosive growth in any country's economy would definitely be India. So as you mentioned, a key of India's rapidly growing population, uh, it, they're boosting their participation for their labor force. How does this compare to what's happening here in America? Uh, well, the good news is our labor force is no longer shrinking and it's turned around and grown. Uh, the labor force participation rate is the percentage of the population that's actually in the labor force. So that's a good thing. Uh, but what what India has going for it right now as it relates to the growth in their workforce is that when people look at what happened in the last three years, a tremendous amount of consumer goods and industrial goods were sourced in China and I mentioned earlier that China's growth over the last two decades was explosive. And I think people realize when you have all of your eggs economically in one foreign country's basket, it gets dangerous if there's a disruption. So the logical place to sort of reshore um, the supply chain is India because they have 1.4 trillion people. Uh, they have uh, you know an educated workforce and they have the capacity for industrial production. So that's why you're seeing uh, you know tremendous growth in the labor participation rate. Uh, and their labor participation rate really can can only go up because they have a big portion of their uh, their workforce, potential workforce that's not employed. So. Um, you know, if I was a betting man on an emerging market, I would be betting on India. Should this be a wake up call to the United States? Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. I would say yes and no. Right. Uh, absolutely. When you see the growth in emerging markets, um, then quite often, you know, there's a knock on effect in terms of, you know, share of global wallet. Uh, but I think policymakers in the United States should take note 
But I think policymakers are thrilled that there's an alternative to China because China is sort of uh, in political crosshairs. And from a corporate profitability perspective, if we can, you know, two things happen. One is we start shifting industrial production uh, to India. The other thing that happens is India's economy grows and India becomes a buyer. What's really fascinating about China is that not only is China a place where we, you know, we we supply and source uh, goods or parts of goods, but we also have a customer there, right? One of the biggest target markets for iPhones is China. So uh, Apple, just to stay on that topic, Apple shifted a lot of their production or is trying to shift it to India. Well, the next thing that's going to happen is Indian folks, when they start, you know, accumulating income and wealth, they'll start buying those products. So, you know, we've heard critics say that it's just another example of the United States losing jobs to other countries. Do you think something can be done about it? I don't think that we're losing wholesale jobs to another country. I think, you know, by the way, one other thing that's worth noting is in this country, we're getting older. Right. The the median age right now is 39 in the United States. The median age uh, in 20 uh, in 1980, excuse me, was 30. So from 1980 to today, we've gotten, you know, that's 43 years. We've gotten 10, almost 10 years older. Uh, and so our workforce is potentially shrinking because we have a population challenge. So if we have a population challenge and we need people to make stuff, we're going to have to find a way to do that in a country that doesn't that has excess population. Uh, the question is, what kind of jobs are being lost to India? And what's happening right now is there are a lot of what I would call, you know, white collar jobs that are going to India. So much of the coding, so much of the uh, supply chain for technology companies is taking place in India. And those are high paying jobs potentially in the United States that we just don't have the people skilled to do. That's a great point that a country's dependency ratio is measured by the number of dependents against the total working age population. For some people who may not understand exactly how that works, could you explain it? Well, the, you know, the, the reality is you have a, a portion of your population that sort of is dependent upon the government for its, uh, its livelihood. Um, and, you know, the United States, as we get older, is going to have more and more people on Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and those very entitlement uh, trust funds uh, run the risk of depletion. So as our dependency ratio goes up, as our population goes up, if we don't create uh, other sources of revenue to refund those uh, entitlements, like more and more young people coming into the labor market and paying into them, then we're going to have a challenge. Uh, other countries like India have a completely different model because a you know in many cases a vast majority of their their people are dependent upon the government. Uh, the problem is what those people take from the government on a per capita basis is considerably less than what our people take from the government. Hmm, really interesting. Now, India's government, they are also placing a priority on infrastructure creation, especially for roads and railways. A little bit of a different situation here in America, where we know that we need a lot of work on our infrastructure. You know, do you think that's something that this administration will try to focus on? Well, this administration tried to do something right out of the box um, and did pass a piece of legislation focused on infrastructure 
that was called bipartisan. It just means that they got a couple of Republicans to vote for it. It doesn't mean that it had overwhelming bipartisan support. The problem we have, and I'll go back to uh, post-financial crisis when President Obama uh, was in the White House and he passed a infrastructure bill to create economic growth. The problem we have is not Congress's willingness or unwillingness to fund it. The problem is what I'll call the uh, fourth branch of government, which is uh, the bureaucracy in this country that prevents us from doing some of these projects. Uh, if there could be a project that is fully approved, fully entitled, and if you look at the, the morass of red tape that it takes to fund and get one of those projects started, it's, it's mind boggling. There were like five government agencies responsible to approve some of these infrastructure projects when we're sorely in need of roads, bridges. I mean, we're going to hit hurricane season. I hate to talk about it because I'm a Floridian, but we're going to hit hurricane season. Um, we're going to hit other issues. I mean, in, in Philadelphia, a piece of 95 collapsed. I mean, we, we have crumbling infrastructure in this country um, and we need to just get from point A to point B quickly. And government should pay for it. But in terms of the process, they should let the private sector do it and they should get out of the way. Mitch Rochelle, always a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today. You bet. More ticker news right after this.